Miller. On this week's episode of Tiger Turf Talk, we host Mr. Matthew Gorley, CGCS, MG, AGS, the golf course superintendent at Colbert Hills Golf Course in Manhattan, Kansas. This is truly an incredible episode with such an incredible person uh, discussing what has been his life's work, you know. Um, we dive into his family heritage, which is so cool. Apparently, everything Gourlay has to deal with golf, and he talks about his grandpa- grandfather, his father being golf course superintendents before him, and how it really is in the blood, and how it truly became a part of his life, taking the mantle and moving on uh, into the next generation, again, of golf course superintendents. Um, and we really dive into what it takes to be successful at Colbert Hills and how he's truly uh, used the resources available to him uh, with Kansas State being an adjunct professor bringing in younger generations and allowing them to learn on the course whether they're going to be golf course superintendents or something completely different just giving them the opportunity to see what our industry has to offer and the incredible opportunity that comes along with it Um, probably the best part about all of it is throughout it you'll notice a theme uh, throughout it and it's furthering education Uh, we talk about his accreditations and master greenskeeper certified golf course superintendent and accredited golf course superintendent as uh, they respected areas from uk america and canada um, and how he's working towards more and bettering himself and bettering those around him ensuring that he's giving his uh, workers and his crew more opportunities to learn and further their knowledge of what it takes to be successful we cannot thank matt enough for taking the time uh this is an episode you definitely do not want to miss uh we hope you enjoy this episode of tiger turf talk Good afternoon and welcome to the 71st episode of Tiger Turf Talk. I'm your host, Drew Miller, with your co-host, Sam Rui. Today we have on an incredible guest, a staple in the industry for golf course um, maintenance. We have Mr. Matt Gourlay, CGCS, MG, AGS, the superintendent of Colbert Hills Golf Course. How are you doing today, Mr. Gourlay? Wonderful. Uh, thanks for having me. I look forward to today. Really, thank you for taking the time. Um, Matt Lowell uh, is a mutual friend, uh, and he's spoken so highly of you. And obviously, with everything you can see behind you, uh, you've done a lot in this industry, uh, and it's incredible what uh, to be able to see all these things. Um, I sort of want to start off. Obviously, we were in San Diego a few weeks ago. I, I didn't have the pleasure of meeting you in person, but I did actually end up going to the great debate, as, as they call it. Um, with everything, sort of, how was your trip to San Diego? What was it like for you being back, you know, having the opportunity to be in person compared to, again, what seems to be a lifetime and virtual and everything? Obviously, this is still virtual, but being able to have that opportunity and how was San Diego for you just overall? Uh, you know, San Diego was great. Uh, you know, I, I love attending the GCSA conference. I've been to every one since 2004. Even the virtual one, I drove to headquarters and got a picture with old Tom. I didn't go inside, but uh, they were hosting inside. So I, I made sure I stopped off there. I'm about hour 15 from headquarters, but it was it was great. And we were very fortunate to 
uh, be able to bring our equipment manager. He was one of the five equipment manager Melrose leadership uh, recipients this year. So he was able to go, which was uh, tremendous for him. That's incredible. That's awesome to hear. Um, so the great debate is actually some, does it happen annually? This was my first one I've ever been to actually, believe it or not. Um, but is it an annual thing? Do you know? Yes, we've, we've done the great debate for, I want to say about five years. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this year was the great debate professors versus superintendents. Last year was just professors year before was just superintendents. So it just kind of depends on the year, but yeah, this year was professors versus superintendents, which uh, no offense to Dr. McGraw or other professors <laughs> out there. The superintendents just slaughtered him this year with, <laughs> with their debating skills. We'll be sure to tag him in it just to remind him, you know, um, with, uh, with that, you know, I think it was really cool to, again, have you guys, again, as the professionals in the setting, you know, you really can't mimic uh, a setting when it comes to the workplace and what you guys go through on a daily basis, whether it's disease pressure and all that. Uh, sitting across from the professors who take the time to study and try and, I guess, aid is the right word, but help in a way. Um, What has it been like for you, uh, again, sort of over the years, have you seen any real big assistance from people like Dr. McGraw? Um, And what has it been like for you? You're an adjunct professor at K-State, if I'm wrong. Is that correct? So, Uh, yeah, I am sort of having an in on the educational side and understanding all that, what has that been sort of, again, sort of leading to success of not just your professional career, but others around the country for these guys that are reaching out and helping you the best they can? Yeah. So, um, you know, tr- uh, professors are, are, are huge, right? And so, you know, I, I attended Kansas State University. And so the professors that were there were Dr. Jack Fry, Dr. Steve Keeley, uh, Dr. Dale Bremer were the, the, the three head turf guys. And then there's also other uh, Dr. Labus for irrigation. So, um, you know, without the professors, um, you know, the, the education that I was able to attain wouldn't be there. Um, plus the, the um, research that they're able to do. I love reading, reading up on research and following the, the latest and greatest technologies to see how we can continuously evolve and change our management practices at, at Cobert Hills Golf Course. And um, I am a, a K-State adjunct faculty. Um, that That's just a, a fancy title for me, I guess. But um, I, I get brought in to uh, help guest lecture occasionally. I, I by no means, I have all these accreditations and all that. I am, I am by no means as smart as these professors. I mean, it's unbelievable how um, smart and in, intellectual they are. But um I help uh, about up to 11 classes a year um, in all sorts of different things. I mean, I have one next week that I'm going to go with uh, ag. Well, what's the class he reached out to me? Um, I'm on a panel for communication in, in ag something, which isn't really turf related, but it's it's somewhat uh, industry related with, with ag and, and how we're tied in. But, um, you know, prof- I, I love learning from professors all over the place. And actually, K-State actually just picked up um, Beth Gertaw is going to come to K-State. She's going to still live down in Auburn, but she's, uh, she's doing more work with K-State here with not turf related, boy, uh, corn, soybeans. I'm sorry, Beth. I, I can't, uh, or Dr. Gertaw, I can't remember what she's doing, but she's, uh, going she's to try all to do over the place for sure. Well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know if that answered your question or not. I mean, it was, that was a big, long question. No, 100%. I, I rambled on a little <laughs> bit there. Uh, sort of to add to it, I guess, in a way, 
what has it been like for you and creating those relationships with those professors to be able to adapt, you know, you being near K-State and everything, uh, being able to adapt your own practices and how have you seen sort of those relationships have an impact on what you're doing on a day-to-day basis? Uh, I mean, it, it's tremendous for us. You know, Colbert Hills, we are two miles from campus. Um, we're the home course of the Kansas State men's and women's golf uh, uh, golf teams. And then we are a living laboratory for the university. So we do research experiments out here uh, with the, the, the professors um, with whatever they're doing, um, either dyes or pigments or ball mark studies or um you know, uh, fungicide studies or anything like that. So, uh, it's been great with that. But one of the, one of the biggest things for me is, um, being able to interact with the future leaders of of the golf industry, the the students. And so we're able to actually recruit, uh, and attract uh, a bunch of individuals just because of, um, you know, the prestige of the golf course and all the, uh, research that we do and different turf grasses and stuff like that. And the team building atmosphere that we kind of have, we're able to grab a lot of individuals off of, off of that. And so that's that to me, that's, that's the biggest thing that I get from helping out at K-State is, uh, seeing the future leaders and, and try to help them with their careers. Do you have a lot of students working for you? Uh, yeah. So, um, I'm 36 and our, uh, our team here call me dad. Um, so it just goes to show how, how young our crew is. So, uh, besides me, like I said, I'm 36. We have, uh, one individual started with us last year. He's 63. Um, but everybody else is, is younger than I. And so we rely heavily on high school or college age individuals, whether or not they're in college or not, but generally college age is what they are. And I would say, we have about 30 to 35 um, throughout the year. Um, and we work around school schedules as best we can, right? So uh, spring schedule is different than summer schedule, which is different than fall schedule. So sometimes uh, individuals can't work with us during the summer because they might be doing off doing internships with whatever profession that they want to do. Uh, and then during the school year, they might be too busy with school or, or hanging out and, uh, and playing video games or, or whatever uh, that they're doing, but, um, video you know, we games. try to work around I those like schedules. That. Yeah. Video, video games. games, uh, you know, because this is a podcast, yeah. I, I tend to use different words. I like um, it, especially because we have <laughs> kids that use, listen to this for content in class, you know, so definitely good video games. I like that. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, as long as we can have an individual work a three hour shift, um, they can work as little as three hours or as up to 40 hours a week. Um, it all depends on the school schedule for the individuals and what they're trying to get accomplished. Generally, those that are freshmen or younger tend to work a little less because they are still taking school very seriously, try to figure out what they're going on. Uh, and then when we have the fifth or sixth year seniors who are just slowly coasting into graduating, um, you know, the the excitement for them to to finish off one class for the last semester is pretty low. So they tend to work a lot for us. Gotcha. Um, so you said you've gone to the conference for many since 2004, three. Yep. Well, how has the membership played a role in your career? And also, what do you like about that organization and being a member? Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the first industry show that I went to is in San Diego. Um, and I went with, uh, Kansas state university. I was there with individuals. And so, um, there was 38 
individuals from Kansas State University that that attended that show, and then we had a, a, a large showing in that turf bowl and all that. But GCSA as a whole is um, um, uh, the best organization for golf course superintendents in North America, um, and I would highly recommend everybody being a member of it. From what you can achieve from learning from them, um, obviously, you know, their Super Bowl or their, their big show is, is uh, the GCSA conference where you have all these networking opportunities, but they also have the GCSA championships where you can go try to play golf and try to beat the best of the best, which uh, tends to be the Southern Florida, Southern California, Texas boys usually play pretty good because it's warm year round for them and their golf game's really good. But I play in those just for the networking opportunities. So you get to spend four, four and a half hours with an individual from all over the U.S. or even the world. Uh, you know, there's individuals from Switzerland. I know Steve Tierney was there from Switzerland uh, playing in the event. And I've gotten to know him over the years because of um, the golf event. And so, um, you know, GCSA as a whole is is tremendous. And I think the biggest thing that that I like about GCSAA is it's government, government affairs uh, uh, side of things right now. There's lots of rules and regulations that are changing uh, by the day and they are keeping us members abreast of what's going on. So then we can reach out to our Congress people, uh, members of Congress and, and try to um, let them know how it affects us either personally or professionally, or, or if it's a good or a bad thing for the golf course or the environment. I think that's the biggest thing that I've seen with GCSA is the, the impact that, uh, well, not again, not lobbyists and whatnot. And I'm not going to get into all the political. I can't, I just don't know it. Um, but being able to advocate for you guys and better understand moving forward. I mean, California, they pretty much have got, done away with any two cycle machines, you know, like you're not allowed to be using, I'm sure golf might have an exemption, but like, that's a huge move. If that's the case, if golf courses can't use them anymore, that's like, well, now we got to figure out the battery powered and all that. And it's just, it's crazy to me how things are changing. And again, water is scarce on the West coast and all that. So again, it's, it's great to have that. And I couldn't agree with you more on that front. Um, now I always love uh, hearing people's sort of story on how they came about. And I actually think I read something about your story and I think it's very unique for our students to hear because uh, there are so many that are like, well, I found it on a piece of paper. Oh, I did this, you know, I did all that. Like it just fell in my lap. Like, and again, it, it that's great, but yours is so cool. And I'm just gonna let you say, if you could tell us sort of how you got into turf and how you got specifically into golf. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, turf and golf is, uh, it, it, it runs in my family, I guess. And I wasn't a hundred percent sure that I really wanted to do it. And I wasn't a great individual in high school. I just kind of coasted by and did good enough on my ACT to, to get into college. And uh, I kind of coasted by uh, with that until, uh, you know, the university stopped accepting my money because my GPA was a little low. I never, I've never failed a class. It's just my, uh, my video games uh, was, was really kicking into uh, what I was trying to accomplish. And so um I was uh, I was I was out of school for six months um, uh, due to academic probation and stuff like that, and so I did uh, an internship in California under Jeff Marco at, at Cypress Point Club, which is uh, perennially ranked in top ten in the world. Um, say top, you know, sometimes top it's top. as high as number two. Yeah, as high yeah. as number two is is what I think I've seen it as. But um, 
you know, after that internship, it really changed my life around. I, I, and then I had to beg K-State to let me back in. And I went from a uh, mediocre to poor student who sat in the back of the classroom doing Sudokus and crosswords, even if I went to school, to uh, I attended every class and sat front row center and focused and paid attention because I really found through that internship that this is what I really wanted to do, which is interesting because of my family lineage. And so um, my family lineage uh, ties into, I mean, I can start with my father, who is a golf course superintendent, um, and he's a certified golf course superintendent. He's working down in South Florida. Um, and then my grandfather was a uh, golf course superintendent as well for over 50 years. And he was actually a founding member of the Canadian Golf Superintendent Association, um, as well as he's a Distinguished Service Award winner uh, with GCSA, the, the highest designation superintendents can get with GCSA back in, I think, 88, 89, somewhere around there. But my family lineage goes back to about the 1850s. And so um, Gorelays were synonymous with golf balls. And so we were the world's foremost expert on golf balls. It was the feathery back then. So a feathery is a leather bound golf ball that is jam packed full of goose down feathers. And so though these golf balls are, are in, um, the USGA, um, museum in Far Hills, New Jersey. Uh, it's also in the RNA museum in St. Andrews. Um, so these golf balls can fetch, uh, if you find them about $10,000, um, for these. Um, but once again, the Gorelays, just like myself, aren't the smartest people in the world sometimes. And, and I'm definitely one of them. So we just never thought the Gouda Percha was going to revolutionize the game. Right. So the Gouda Percha was, uh, came after the feathery. It was, it was a rubber ball. And so they just never came up with the times and, and, and did that. But we were also um, golf ball, golf club makers. Um, you know, one of the Dunn brothers married a, a, a Liz, uh, Isabella Gorley, I think. Um, um, and then there's uh, one of the Gorleys helped with Bally Bunyan, stuff like that. But that's second cousin twice removed from my great aunt's side or something like that. Right. So those aren't my immediate individuals. Unlike my grandfather, who's a golf course superintendent. My dad was a, a golf course superintendent. My mother is a soil scientist. She owned the third soil testing company in North America, Standard Soils. She helped write the 1993 USGA Green Zone specifications. And so she did soil tests for over 2000 golf courses um, across the U.S. and, and Canada. Um, Boy, I got uncles who are golf pros, uh, another uncle who's a shaper. My sister was a food and beverage manager at, at a country club, and she married a golf pro. So um, golf is golf is us. And so dinner times when I was growing up, it was we were always talking golf or, or anything golf-related, turf-related. So for me to even imagine doing something different was uh, um, a sin. I wouldn't say it's a sin. My parents wanted me to do whatever I wanted to do. And I think that's why I was a poor student in high school in the first few semesters at K-State because I just didn't know. Um, but once I really found out that golf was it, I, I, I fell in love and, and I just want to keep learning and, and, and keep getting better at, at this profession. Yeah, that's such an incredible story. I love that. <laughs> um, I also, I also find it funny how you went out to California to figure it out, even though like there's so much history in it, you know, that's so awesome. Um, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, with everything, um, you are the number one public course in the state of Kansas. Uh, 
with everything that goes into that, what is it that you love about your job? You know, obviously everybody knows what it, most of our listeners hopefully know what it takes to be a superintendent and whatnot. And our kids are learning about it, but what is it about your job that you love to be at Culver Hills for so long? And what is it that keeps you motivated each and every day moving forward? You know, you've been there for a while and it, some people get bored at their jobs, but obviously you love it and everything that you do is moving forward and bettering it, whether it's through your environmental practices and all that, what is it that motivates you? Well, I think I think the the best thing about my my current job is is the people I work with. Um, you know, I'm a I'm a golf course superintendent, but you know the title I kind of have is like director of golf course operations. So we have a golf. You know, we're a 27 hole facility, so I get an extra fancy title sometimes. But we have a golf course superintendent, uh, Shane Rangstorf, who's been with us for um, I guess it'll be eight eight years come come April. Uh, our equipment manager, Shane Picorni, has been with us for, uh, it'll be nine years um, this August. Uh, Derek Price is uh, an assistant golf course superintendent with us. who will be eight years this April as well. Uh, Chris Glover is an assistant golf course superintendent. is going to be with us for four years. So, um, you know, we've had a bunch of individuals who are full-time, been with us for a long time. And um, besides those individuals, I get to work with K-State students. And so I love seeing them and, and helping them find their passion um, whether it's golf or, or sports turf um, it is really a cooler niche for me. For instance, last year, last spring, we had six individuals who worked with us for, I think I, I had it on social media for about these six individuals worked with us for a, a total of 16 or 17 years. And they were able to get uh, jobs all over the place. Um, you know, Graham Johnson went down to Trinity Forest um, this past year as an assistant down there. Colton Dickinson's an assistant down at Prairie Dunes. Jensen Randall's at Mission Hills in Kansas City. Austin Banzit's in Kansas City at Wolf Creek. Uh, Mason Beagley's an assistant uh, grounds person for um, Kansas City Monarchs, the baseball team over there. Um, so to me, it's, it's, it's working with these people and seeing them build their careers. I think it's uh, one of the best things that I, that I love about my, my job. And then Every year there's new freshmen coming in. So how can I help them find internships? How can I find, help them find whatever they're passionate about? Um, and the ones that really spark an interest in me are the ones who have a different degree. Um, you know, for instance, we had a, a former assistant golf course superintendent out here, Dan Ortiz. He was at Kansas State University for, I want to say, mechanical engineering. And he just fell in love working on the golf course. And he's an assistant in, at Creekmore in Kansas City now. Um, you know, and we have a lot of those individuals who don't know about working on a golf course before they start working with us. And I guess they find it enjoyable with us to make it a, a full-time profession for them. To me, that, that's what drives me every day, trying to help people and, and, and help them succeed in life. That's, that's the biggest thing for me. Well, it sounds like you have a really good team and you really enjoy your job. So over the years, is there a specific memory or a time that you can share that's like really happy or joyful or just really stood out to you? Uh, yeah, but it's not, to me, it's, it's not about the job. Uh, you know, the, the time that really stood out for me um, that makes me the most emotional is uh, four and a half years ago. 
my wife and I welcomed uh, our, our first and, and only child currently. Um, and uh, he's, he's a sweet little baby boy. We named him Payne after Payne Stewart because it's got to be golf related. Everything's got to be golf related, right? Is what it is. So I have, we have a dog right now that I la- named next Lexi after Lexi Thompson, the professional golfer. So uh, it's always golf related, but you know, the birth of my son is, is, is the biggest thing for me personally that that's ever happened either in my career. Right. So I have all these things back here that that means nothing. I mean, it's, it's remarkable what changed in me personally with, with the birth of him. I used to be, um, more heartless, right? I could go watch, I could watch old yeller and I could watch old yeller get shot. It just wouldn't affect me. And as soon, as soon as my son was born, um, I couldn't hold him immediately or else I would just be like bawling uncontrollably. And so now if I watch a movie like Rambo, I'm, I'm crying because of whatever it like, I'm that emotional now just because of uh, the birth of my son. So to me, the birth of my son and, and uh, it is the biggest accomplishment that I could have ever achieved in my life. Ian, Mr. Miller and some other students were thinking of a bunch of turf related dog names. Well, a little bit. Um, you know, I, I had a dog named Hogan after Ben Hogan as well. Uh, and then uh, so that, uh, to me, I, I like Hogan. I mean, we have other ones that that, that are golf related, but uh, I like Hogan. Hogan was a good, good one. Definitely a good one. Uh, and I was I cried at Old Yeller. Sorry, I'm 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 a little <laughs> I'm emotional. Okay, everybody, sorry. <laughs> I I cried everything now. Old Yeller, I cry at. Shoot, I cry with Rambo. I'm telling you, Rambo. It's most uh, blood, gory, whatever. Yeah. I, I'm just bawling my eyes out. My, mine was uh, I think it was like I was in fourth grade and they put where the red fern grows on and it's like at the end scene like the two dogs are buried under the red fern and all the girls are crying and it's just me uh, the guys but all. <laughs> the girls are around me i'm like nah, ha, ha. i told you guys um yep. <laughs> but i kind of want to dive down you were talking about again helping others and it's incredible to hear like the network you've created for these kids and how they've been able to go out and even kids who really don't know what they want to do like you said mechanical engineering that's a huge switch uh and a huge shift when it comes to again future goals and moving forward um, you actually were recently on a podcast with our students, not specifically with them, but it was you and then, uh, backed up to our kids, uh, at the end of the podcast, but working with younger generations, what has it been for you, um, that you have sort of seen be successful again, connecting with these kids, you know, the kids nowadays, they keep getting this rep, like, oh, they're not going to work. They want to go be TikTokers. They can't make millions doing that. And I've always told everyone there are kids out there that do want to do it. Sam's one of them. He's a great kid. He's worked with horses for a while. He's interested in turf. He's done a lot of work for us. What has it been like for you connecting with those kids on a level that, again, brings them into the industry and brings them towards working uh, in a physical setting compared to, again, whether virtual or whatnot? Yeah, I mean, every generation thinks the younger generation is 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 terrible and doesn't want to work. It's and it's always been that way, and it always will be that way. So for for me, it's it's just like maintaining turf, right? I'm I'm maintaining turf different today than I, than what I was ten years ago, fifteen years ago, even last year. It changes all the time. So for me, my biggest thing with any individual I work with, whether it's our sixty three year old or a 16-year-old that's going to start with us April 1, 
is empathy. You know, show them as much empathy as possible and have a relationship with them. Ask them questions, right? Everyone's going to make mistakes. Everyone's going to do something that's bad. Don't turn it as a, turn it into a learning experience. Um, you know, if, if we have a hydraulic leak and, and, it, and it ruins a little bit of grass, the grass will come back. Let's, let's show them what happens to the grass and how we can bring it back. Let's not just reprimand them because they didn't notice it. It's not like any of our team members shows up to work and they're going to be immediately, you know what, I want to work at Cobert Hills so I can mess things up. That's not in people's self-being. Everyone wants to do a good job. They're just trying to do the best with the information that they have. So for me, is it's all about communicating and showing empathy with them. Let's figure out what's going on with them. If, the, if, if their attitude changes one day to a next, well, maybe something happened to them personally, right? So maybe it was um, one of their relatives got into a car accident and they're not sure what's going on. Maybe they got a bad grade on a test. Maybe their girlfriend or boyfriend broke up with them. I mean, there's things happen in, in lives that, that changes you and it, and it affects you emotionally. Um, you know, when uh, I, I was, I knew one of the superintendents down in, in Oklahoma died yesterday, uh, Jeremy Dobson. He was a K-State uh, grad. He was 48, um, died in an RV rollover and he was at the Patriot club. And, and I've had a few interactions with him. We weren't great friends. Um, we never, we, anytime I would see him, we, we would chat, but you know, that affected me all morning today. It'll still affect me because, um, it's just human nature. So for me, communicating with, uh, any generation and showing it as much empathy as possible is, um, is, is, I guess my answer to the question. Sorry about that, by the way. I, I mean, we, we totally understand. I mean, not knowing someone well, but knowing them, it, it still has a huge impact on what you're doing and how you're going about things for sure. Especially this day and age, you know, sure. <laughs> with everything going life's, on. Life's, life's short. Things happen. Let's, let's figure out how to, to interact with each other on, on, on a personal level and see if we can't come to a, a consensus of a goal. If I can figure out what they're passionate on, we had an individual, Skylar Marsh, and she, she was a, an art major here at Kansas State University, but she loved taking pictures. So, all right, so let's get you to take some pictures of the golf course. Let's get some sunrises and, and uh, midday shots while you're out there. Sunrises are the easiest one because you get <laughs> great, great pictures with sunrises. And so um, she, she worked with us for a few years. She came back all the time every year and she was, she was great to work with. And so when she went, moved back to Kansas city, she picked up a job working on a golf course and she's still working on a golf course for all I know. That's awesome. I love that. And it's the way you're saying it is like literally our classroom and what we're trying to do, you know, it's not about creating a situation where kids aren't comfortable kids don't want to be a part of it it's finding what their voice is in a sense you know and having them be a yeah. part of the decision making process i always talk about how uh empowering a kid or a student or uh, even my age you know to do more than what is expected of them is going to create again a passion and understanding a love for what they're doing and like i always said 90% of my students aren't going to go into turf, you know, they're not going to go into a golf yeah. course or anything like that, but they still are going to understand the significance of what it is that you guys do on a daily basis as golf course superintendents, as sports turf managers, lawn care companies, and advocate for us going into the future, you know, and having that voice speaking out in the communities, wherever they end up, you know? So I, and I, it's just great to hear, you know, everything that you were talking about with that. Um, 
with that being said, I sort of want to shift towards turf more, more specifically turf stuff. Um, what is it that you have in your course? And again, I'm not really sure K state is located. I apologize for that. I'm sorry. Um, You're all right. but from tees to greens, what are you maintaining? Uh, and how has that sort of changed over the years since you first started there at Colbert Hills? Yeah. So Colbert Hills opened May of 2000. So we're 22 years old. And so we're located in dead center of the U.S. We are two hours from Kansas City, two hours from Lincoln, Nebraska, and two hours from Wichita. I like to tell people we're two hours from civilization, basically. So um, uh, Manhattan itself and its uh, communities around it is uh, I think what Wikipedia said, the Manhattan statistical metropolitan area is 110,000 people. So uh, it's it's no slouch, but it's no, you know, Washington, D.C., no New York City. They call Manhattan the little apple because we're just little. There's not as many people there or whatever. But um our turf variety, since we're tied in the university, we're in the transition zone, uh, and it was a, a living laboratory for the university. We had 53 different turf grasses on property, and so mm-hmm. that is uh, different types of turf grasses. That doesn't include varieties, right? So different turf grasses is like creeping bent grass, Kentucky bluegrass, different. It's not like L93 creeping bent grass or G2 creeping bent grass. So um, that number has gone down a little bit. Um because we've, we've done away with a few, but we're still in the 50 range. And so uh, of those, there's a lot of naturalized areas. So we have 220 acres of uh, tall grass prairie located in the heart of the town, uh, which is uh, very uncommon. You have to drive outside city limits typically to find a, uh, a, nat- a, natural, a, a natural looking area, I guess. Um, and then so we maintain about 100 to 150 acres of maintained turf. So on our championship course, on our tees and fairways, we have Meyer zoysia grass out there and the greens are L93 creeping bent grass. And the rough is a mixture of cool season, which is predominantly Kentucky bluegrass and turf type tall fescue. And then we have a nine hole par three executive uh, private facility for the men's and women's golf team, as well as uh, in the summertime, we are home to the first tee of Manhattan over there as well. And so we have um, a mixture of grasses out there, depending on where the university wants to go play events. So we have uh, Bermuda grass tea boxes, some zoysia tea boxes, uh, ryegrass tea boxes, fescue tea boxes, bluegrass tea boxes, um, whatever. You know, if they're going to go play south, you know, we have some Bermuda where they can practice on. If they're going to go north, we have some cool season grass they're going to play on. So uh, and then. With the greens over there, I think we have six or seven different varieties of bent grass. So we have Pencross, L93, G2, Putter, Cato, SR1020, and I think we have an A series as well. So we have lots of different turf grasses out there, which is ties into being able to, to, to recruit and retain individuals who want to learn a lot about different turf grasses, which helps us. That's more than a lot. Can I just say that real quick? That is... Absurd and incredible. It's it's, it's a lot. We also have buffalo grass, right? I was gonna I was gonna say what with everything, are you like again planning wise, it's gotta be insane. I mean, I can't I'm trying to con like put in my head like the well, he's got this, he's gotta get that, you blah blah blah. You know what I mean? Like, what is it like for you when it comes to I mean, whether it's a nutrient management plan or whether it's chemical applications, what are you focusing on when you're planning? Is there really a big difference moving from uh course to course or 
green to green or what? I mean, it's, it's, it seems a little, my head's all over the place thinking about it, but yeah. what is it like for you again, sort of making those plans again? It's uh it's annual thing, whether it's budgeting it out or whatnot, but what has it been like for you over the years? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, we, we treat them as two separate golf courses. We actually have two different line items, two different budgets for them. So we have a, a water budget for our championship course. We have a water budget for that par three course. We have a labor budget for the championship course, everything's separated out. Um, so we have to keep track of all that stuff because it's, uh, um, kind of, uh, uh, compensated by Kansas state athletics since it's their own private course, they're, they're paying to maintain the course to their standards. And so their standards means, um, tournament conditions. And so, uh, tournament conditions are green speeds of at least 11 every day during the golf season for them. Uh, and their golf season is August. 15th until November 15th and then January 15th until roughly May 15th. And so that's, that's when they want those, those tournament conditions day in and day out. Now, granted, if there's snow on the ground, we can't really get, you know, green speeds of 11. So they're very understand it's all weather dependent. So once the weather breaks, they want fast and firm greens out there. So the maintenance standards on that course is higher than our other one. But over there, because of all the different varieties of turf grasses, um, we maintain uh, a little different um, management out there, specifically on greens. Um, so one of the greens, SR1020, uh, tends to show dollar spot uh, before all the other ones. So if we notice dollar spot there, we're going to react a little quicker everywhere else. Pencross, there's there's less uh, leaf blades in there, right? So Pencross has about 70 shoots per square inch compared to L93 that has 110. So basically every every square inch, there's 70 leaf leaf individual leaves or that are growing on Pencross. And so because there's less there, it tends to get crabgrass and goosegrass during the summer times, as opposed to the L93, which doesn't. So we have to do a pre-merge on those greens and not the other greens. So it's all a little different uh, management structure, but for us, we try to be as environmentally friendly as possible. We're trying to reduce our inputs on the golf course. And by reducing the inputs, we're able to save a little bit of money and then we can reallocate those resources to the people and, and we can pay our guys a little bit more and try to retain the people that maintain the golf course. So that's my big goal, reduce as much products that we're doing on the golf course and try to reallocate that to our team members. You don't have to have like notebooks on notebooks in your office right now on all this. I mean, you just spit out so much information. I'm so intrigued about what's going on on just your golf course, you know, being one of the thousands in the country, you know, um, but you got to have a lot of stuff going on with all that to have that. Information. Yeah. Well, I mean, we do have some notebooks. Actually, I'm, I'm YouTube famous as well. Uh, I don't know uh, if anybody's seen. Yeah. Whistling diesel. Uh, so whistling diesel. Uh, I, I don't know if anybody's seen it, but he, he accused us of stealing uh, his grandfather's skid steer. And so that was it your about, golf course. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So that was, that was me. That was, that was Cobert Hills. That was me that had that interaction with them. It was, it was strange when he walked in and basically uh, said, you guys stole my grandfather's skid steer. I'm here to collect or whatever. And then he, you know, crops it out for his YouTube channel or whatever. But it was, it was fun because I was able to just walk right into my office and, 
and 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 Paul. This one, yeah, I have a I have a binder, John Deere equipment that just shows all every any, everything that we've ever purchased from John Deere. That's John Deere equipment, and I was able to just pull that out within four minutes for him, and he was just flabbergasted that I had the information uh, to to prove that we bought that we purchased it new. And then we sold it and it wasn't his grandfather's skid steer that he's trying to collect a $300,000 ransom or whatever. It's so funny that a guy just walked in, that's mine. Give it back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, but yeah, Sam, that's, uh, that's me. I think I'm on like minute. It's a 44 minute video. It's a really long video. Oh, it's awful. It just wastes your time. It really has aggravated some of our team members, but I watched it. And uh, I think I was like minute 28 or something. I don't know. But it's about like every, every, yeah, every day I have uh, every day since it's been out for about four or five weeks. And every day I've had someone reach out to me saying, Hey, do you know you're on this uh, whistling diesel video? It's like, yeah, that's me. Well, shifting back to all that (laughs) chaos and planning uh, over your time there. And what are some of the biggest uh, renovations or projects for the golf course? And how have you managed or handled them? Oh boy, um, you know I've, I've been involved. Come with, to mind? Yeah, I've been involved with. Uh, we, we built a clubhouse in 2010. Um, I've been involved with that. I wasn't lead or anything like that, but uh, working around with that, um, we renovated all our our bunkers. We have 108 bunkers, five acres of bunkers back in 2010. That was a million dollar project that we did. Uh, renovated a chipping green. We went from a 2000 square foot California green to a 7,200 square foot uh, USGA green. Uh, we've done that. Installed irrigation, um, course restrooms we installed. We're actually finishing up a, a lodge project. We're building a, a 7,000 square foot building with uh, an eight bedroom, 10 bath um, stay and play lodge for us. So I'm kind of a, a little bit involved. Once again, I'm not in charge of that one. I'm just helping out with uh, going to meetings and stuff like that. So um we do a little bit of everything. I don't know which one's the biggest or best. It's just whatever's next is going to be the biggest and best for us. Sorry about that. I hit the button. <laughs> um, what has been sort of been with everything that you've done? Uh, obviously, there are many people a part of your crew, and we actually, you already mentioned him once in the podcast. Um, the, Equipment manager, you know, a lot of people and there's been a lot of great things. Uh, I know the Real Turf Techs uh, podcast has come out and a lot of great information is coming out about what they're doing and the the role they play and how significant it is. What is it to you with your equipment manager, how the impact he has on your crew and your ability to do your job as a, again, overall with the two courses you have? You know, Shane is an instrumental part of our, our success. And so Shane Picorni is our equipment manager. And so he started working with us in August of 2013 is when he started working with us. And so he was actually a K-State student and his degree is in outdoor enterprise wildlife management. And so he was going to be something not a game warden. I mean, he could have done, done a game warden, but he was going to like uh, have people do hunts and stuff like that or whatever it was. And so that was, that was, that's what he was going to do. So when he first started with us, he was just one of our crew members, one of our team members, he was raking bunkers, mowing greens, all that. 
And I found that he had a passion for working on his truck, working on his vehicle. And so we, we kind of uh, promoted or moved him into our, uh, our, our facility, our, our, our shop, and um, he fell in love with it. And so we've kind of helped him with his continued education. And now he's uh, with, with GCSA, for instance, he's a, um, a, a level two certified equipment manager. They're going to come out with the, the test uh, here this year, I believe, just to make him a certified equipment manager, I believe is what, what it is. But he's a level two equipment manager proficiency. Um, and he is, he's an unbelievable uh, part of our, our team here. I had the privilege before I, I, I took my position of, of being our equipment manager at Colbert Hills for about six months. We were in between I, and I was working for Kenny Rogers was the golf course superintendent. And I was, I was a student at K-State at the time. And uh, we just didn't have anybody to fill the role. So for about six months, I was, I was our equipment manager and, and I learned a lot in those six months. And I love being in the shop, but I love being able to just walk away and let him just keep working on it. I like helping resolve the issues and figuring out what, how we're going to do it. But um, the grind of it is, is a lot. And so I love having him here and I'm very fortunate to have him. Like I said, he was uh, a winner of the GCSA Melrose recipient. So he got a free trip to GCSA conference and uh, very happy to have him. And he's an integral part of our, our team here. That's awesome. It sounds like Sam and uh, another kid in our class, Franco, sitting there trying to help them and then like, okay, you button it up. You have fun. I'm, I'm going to go <laughs> get the rest of the class. They, they can attest to that <laughs> um, with everything. Um, you sort of talked about how he's a level two, uh, again, certified technician. Obviously we, I did mention yeah. it in the intro, which was great. Um, I'm surprised I got it right. The certifications that you have done, can you sort of discuss what they are and sort of the, maybe the, breakdown of the process is a little shortened because I know master greenskeeper is an incredible, um, really difficult certification or uh, accreditation to achieve. Um, could you sort of discuss yeah, yeah. each one and how they're different and how you sort of came to be again, a master greenskeeper, a certified golf course superintendent and accredited golf superintendent. Is that right? Yep. Yep. So the very first one I did was uh, a, a certified landscape irrigation auditor. And so that's a CLIA. And I did that with the Irrigation Association back in, in, in college. And, um, and uh, but for me, all these accreditations, I'm trying to catch my old man. My, my old man has all the initials behind his name. He's a master superintendent, certified golf course superintendent, certified club manager, certified chief executive, certified. Uh, Certify. Oh, he's got a CAM. I, I always forget what that one is, but my favorite one for him is a CPO. He's a certified pool operator. And it's, it's just, it just rings. It up. Just, we want to put roll, that on the It just back. rolls, rolls off the tongue. But my, uh, uh, my grandfather was also a certified golf course superintendent. He was one of the very first ones to achieve that back in the seventies. And uh, he never kept it. He just didn't think it was worth keeping or anything like that. But for me, um, it was, it was a goal of mine and it still is a goal of mine to, to, to be like my dad, uh, you know, my dad's my idol. And, and if I can try to do anything is, is try to emulate him as much as possible. So, uh, I'm chasing his ghost, I guess, and he's chasing his father's ghost. And that's what we're just chasing. My dad's still alive. I shouldn't say ghost. That's the wrong terminology, uh, for me to use. Oh, so I apologize. Shout out to that dad. One. We know you're there. <laughs> 
We hope you're having a good time in South Florida. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I, I worked towards the certified golf course superintendent. And so I was one of the youngest to ever achieve that when I was 26. Um, you know, um, and so, so that one is, you have to, uh, for me, I was able to achieve that because I had a degree, uh, years of superintendent, being a superintendent. And then I had to write this portfolio, which was, I want to say it was about 70 pages of different pro- proficiencies that you had to make sure that you would pass. And then um, I, I took a six hour test, uh, a multiple choice test, but it was a six hour test. And I remember driving to GCSA headquarters and taking this test and sat sitting there and, and I never, I didn't drink anything and it took all six hours for me and somehow I passed it the first time. Um, and then after that, I became a master greenkeeper, which was in 20, Oh boy. Recently, recently I became a master greenkeeper. I was the 79th person in, in the, the world to achieve that. And that's with the British and international golf greenkeeper association, which is based out of England. And so that one's the same thing. You know, I had a degree, which goes a long way. I had X amount of years as golf course superintendent, continuing education, and then you have to have individuals attest your course. So, um, I had a master greenkeeper. I flew in from Colorado and then uh, Jeff White as well from Kansas City drove in to attest the golf course. And so that was a, a, a six or seven hour exam on the golf course where they would just lay out all the proficiencies that we had to pass this. And then after that was a two day written exam, which I didn't pass the first time. So for me, um, I don't feel like I'm a great writer. And so my goal was to try to prove to myself, all these accreditations are all for personal goals, personal, personal me. And so for me to become a master greenkeeper meant the world because I just didn't feel like I was a good writer and I had to have a written two day exam in order to become a master greenkeeper. Um, And somehow, somehow I passed that, which is great. And then my next goal was to be similar to, to Lee Strutt. So Lee Strutt is a, uh, a, a superintendent from overseas over in England, and he's worked uh, at Royal Automobile Club in just outside London. And then he was just at uh, down in Paris for a year. And then he's starting a new position here next month that I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say where he's going, but it's it's a cool place. So Lee was actually the very first person to achieve all three designations with with Bigger, the British uh, the GCSAA and then the Canadian Supers, which is uh, the master superintendent with the Canadian Association. And so for me, I just passed the AGS or the accredited golf superintendent, which is one step down from the master superintendent for them, which is uh, what I'm going to achieve. But I'm one of two to have the CGCS, MG and, and AGS. And I'm still chasing Lee Strutt so I can get that MS here. And I think it's another five years before I have enough uh, a time frame under my, my belt for that. It's just so cool, you know, to have so many different organizations have, I mean, you're saying you need five more years. Like that's insane to me that you have to wait five more years and have everything just prepared again with everything. Yeah. Um, do you know how many master greenskeepers there are in the U S uh, last like- I knew, last I knew there was about 30 whether it's or not they less were still than 30, right yeah yeah right it's, around just just about half of them uh, probably which is a crazy. lot recently there's yeah. a lot recently that I've, that i've worked towards that you know i worked towards mine with uh, tony girardi at rock rim and country club up in 
boys. He Connecticut, New York. He's right on that borderline of, of, of those two states. You've got to so, make a lot of money with those taxes. I've got to tell you that right now. <laughs> Connecticut has worse taxes yeah. than New York, and that's hilarious to me, you know? <laughs> but Sure. So we, I mean, we both work towards the master greenkeeper, and, and Tony's just a, a smarter individual than I, and he passed the exam before I could. And so um, he was... Uh, uh, a big help for me to keep pushing myself to, to achieve that as well as other individuals who have that master greenkeeper that I had reached out to. And um, it, it's great for individuals to just, just keep pushing yourself. Uh, to me, I always like goals and I just don't like the status quo. And I just like to keep pushing myself and, and getting better every day. I chuckled a little bit when you said I'm not a writer because I'm also not a writer, but I'm a ding dong that decided to do a a PhD, you know, like I'm in the middle of writing my thesis now for the third time. And it's yep. like, I, I, why, why am I dumb enough to do this? You know what I mean? <laughs> so I hear you. What more power to That's amazing. Yeah. It's not really that great. <laughs> I tell my kids I'm doing it for the poofy hat, you know, <laughs> yeah, um, there you go. With everything you sort of, and again, with all these accreditations, how critical is it to you when it comes to continuing education? You know, you talk about sort of, it's sort of the thread through everything that you've talked about with the kids, giving them the opportunity to learn, showing them what could be you furthering your education with Master Greenskeeper, uh, the AGS and a certified golf course superintendent. What is it that really has brought that sort of to the forefront of how you operate and how you sort of move throughout, again, your course, other places in the industry, in GCSAA? How has that sort of become sort of your, again, uh, I wouldn't say mantra, but like it really sort of is coming through everything that we've talked about, that continued education is key. It, it's, also, it's, if yeah. I could add to that. Yeah. Uh, when you went to college, did you have an idea of what you wanted to do or did you just kind of go and said, I'll figure it out? Yeah. So uh, to start with Sam's is I went to school to be for golf course management. I went to school to be a superintendent, but like I said, my heart really wasn't in it until after my, I worked for Jeff Marco in California doing an internship there. Um, but um, continuing education is, is key uh, for me to continue building and getting better uh, turf conditions or me personally. Um, it, to me, having a degree is great and it makes a big difference to a lot of people. But me personally, I don't care if the individual has a degree or not. But for me, continuing education is a must because it changes. There's so much information that changes out there day in and day out. So I graduated K-State in 2008 and our soil fertility in our soils class, we learned about BCSR or base cation saturation ratio. So when you're sending soil tests out there, you have to have the minimum threshold is this to have great turf conditions. And then um, what Asian Turf Grass Center, Micah Woods and uh, Pace Turf came out with MLSN or uh, minimal levels of sustainable, su MLSN is minimal levels of sustainable nutrition, I think is what it is. And, um, you know, those, those levels are significantly different, right? And so now we can maintain the turf to the the actual minimum levels and save resources instead of just keep dumping stuff out there. And if I would have just relied on my college education, 
I would just be wasting money, wasting my employer's money out on the golf course to, to, to meet that level. And I wouldn't be able to reallocate the resources to help compensate the people. And so we're able to go from, we used to only be two full-time staff members back in 2008. Now we have five full-time staff members just from being able to save money um, left and right because of the continuing education. That's just one example of, of what we're doing. But um, I think social media has played a huge role in, in my life of, of continuing education. I see a lot of individuals out there. For me, I, I, I use a lot of Twitter and uh, I use Twitter to steal other people's idea and take it to Cobert Hills and claim it as my own. And uh, our members think it's unbelievable. I generally don't claim it as my own. I always try to give them as much, you know, say I learned this from, you know, Greg Jones at Champions Run or, or, or whoever it is. Um, but they don't listen to that part of thing. They just think it comes from me and it's my ideas. But um, social media is the biggest thing for me. I, I get to steal other individuals' ideas from all over the world and bring them back and implement them at Cobert Hills Golf Course. And so for me, continuing education is the most important thing um, to help me succeed in my professional career. I love the whole stealing thing. Uh, <laughs> we we had a so we won. Uh, I think it's the it's now Sports Field Managers Association Stars and Stripes competition a few years ago, and it was a really cool design. We did like uh, blue on the top of our end zones. So this is painting, sorry, end zones. Uh, so yeah. blue, red, and then a white stripe in the middle, and then there were stars in the blue uh, going through it all. Um, and I had taken it from UNC, Casey Carrick down at UNC did it like four years before. And I was like, oh, this is so great. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if we're allowed to win because Casey did it first. But uh, I mean, I'll just say Casey did it and we perfected it, you know, and I got a good laugh yep. out of that. Um, <laughs> but it's it's really I love again, Twitter. Uh, we talk about it with our kids. You know, we we try to hit all of our demographics as a high school program. You know, with Twitter, it's the industry. That's where the industry professionals are. Everything's going to be uh, Instagram and TikTok. Uh, yes, we have a TikTok. It's very sad, honestly. But um, <laughs> that's our student base. So like all the kids that are in the building and whatnot. And then Facebook is like our parents. They can see it on there. Yep. They can enjoy it there. Um, so yeah, I couldn't agree with you more when it comes to sort of furthering knowledge in, and in like the easiest way, sort of, you know, not having to like go and study something, go figure something out. It's just, you, you sort of fall upon it like, Oh, look at that. I might be able to do that. You know? So that's awesome. Exactly. I, I love that. So, um, we sort of wrap it up with these last two questions. Um, and I'm always intrigued to see what people think. So, for this, it's not to make anything easier. It's not to make anything like better along the lines of work and whatnot. But if there was one thing that you wish you could know before you started your career as a golf course superintendent, what would that one thing be and why? Empathy. As, uh, as, as taking my first job as a golf course superintendent here at Cobert Hills golf course or director of course operations back in 2007. Um, I felt like it was, uh, all me. And so I, I, I felt like people not were, were more replaceable than they actually were. Right. So we just, if you're, if you're not cutting it, we'll just find somebody else. And so I wish I would have had more empathy back there because there's a lot of tremendous individuals that I've worked with over the years that I wish I would have 
um, treated them better, nicer, uh, whatever, and, and, and could have had a little bit better relationship now. I mean, we, we have a fine relationship with, with all our previous team members, but I think as I grow older, I, I feel more empathy towards our team members. And I think I have a better relationship with our team now than when I did 15 years ago. And so I think empathy would be the biggest thing. And, and, um, for that empathy. To uh, finish it off, we always ask one question and it's um, if you have, what is your, and this really applies to you because you work with a lot of students. And so I feel like it's a good question to ask. What are some words of advice you would give to students who are interested in the industry? Words of advice. Um, if you're interested in the industry, travel. Go go work someplace new. Go Go, you know, for me, I was... My goal when I was in, in, in college, it was to try to grab internships all over. And so I attempted one in the, in the Northwest that didn't work out because um, I just, I was homesick and it was a middle of nowhere course or whatever. And then I worked in California at Cypress Point. And then I worked in Michigan. I tried to touch all four corners of the U.S., um, I worked down in Texas and I was supposed to go do an internship for Bruce Williams at LA country club. Um, and then uh, I had to uh, phone him up after I accepted the job. I had to call him up about a month later and, and say, I couldn't make it because I was promoted to golf course superintendent. And so it's much more difficult for me to travel now uh, because I have a family, a job, a kid um, to go do cool experiences um, than when I was as a single college kid getting into the industry. Um, I, I'm still very fortunate that my wife lets me do some cool things occasionally. For instance, I was just down in the Bahamas working a corn ferry uh, event down there for a week um, with PJ Ringenberger and Grant Harrison. Um, Grant and I were uh, in charge of, he was in charge of moisture management. I changed cups on the, the ocean side and then we did moisture management in the evening together. But um, I learned a lot about Paspalum down there because I, I don't maintain it. And so I'm able to continue that type of stuff. Networking is another one that is huge. Um, put yourself out there. As, as much as people think I'm, I'm an outgoing personality, I'm still an introvert. Um, you know, I just talked about myself for an hour and I'm outgoing and I think I'm vocal a bit. You know, if you saw me, you saw me, Drew, you saw me in the uh, professors versus whatever, right? It was it's, hilarious. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kind of flamboyant. I'm out there. I'm wild and all that. But that's really not me personally. I'm more of an introvert. It's kind of like a, a stage presence to just put myself out there so I can meet the stars, the leaders of this industry and, and try to get any knowledge I can from them, from how they, they, they treat their people to how they maintain their turf and how they budget, how they forecast um, and, and network. I guess travel and network is, is what I could say and, and try to learn from as many people as you can. Absolutely incredible advice. Uh, we've got, we were actually at, so we were presenting me and some of my alumni presented at the, the, uh, conference and two of them are really big on traveling and want to sort of go out and find different things in the world um one wanted to be a pilot and i sort of sat him down he had not been in a, an, on a plane yet uh and he actually did an internship at denver country club um in this past summer he's like that's the first time i was on a plane i was like 
then how do you want to be a pilot? Like, I understand the passion for yep. it and whatnot, but it is lit. You're 20, you're 19 or whatever it is you are now. And it's the first time you're on a plane. I'm sorry. <laughs> you got to think about these things. But he understood that with the yeah. pilot, like you be able to go and see places, but it's very short time. You know, he wants to sort of be immersed in the culture and seeing what different things are like, you know, and having those opportunities uh, abroad, you know. Um, so that, that speaks volumes to them and what they're able to do. I, and I always say this and I probably say it way too many times on this podcast, but this industry can take you literally anywhere you want to go and can put you in a life situation, what you want to do. You know, if you want to make a lot of money and be a superintendent, one of the bigger courses and whatnot, there are opportunities to, again, work your, your ass off to get there, but the opportunity to have those, um, places, but if you want to go work in the middle of, I don't know. Not Kansas. Gonna... Kansas. There you go. <laughs> Middle of Kansas. Perfect. Um, again, at an excellent course and have a good life. That's perfect. You know, if that's what you want, you can do it anywhere in the world at any place. I was going to say like Bulgaria or something, some random, you know, there's a golf course there, you know, there's, there are so many opportunities that my kids that I try to get them understand. It's just, and I think what was big for me, even me saying stuff like that, was seeing how massive the show was and the fact that, like, they said it was 30% the size of what it usually is. So seeing yeah. that and the opportunity with all of that, it's just incredible to see. So um, I want to thank you so much for taking the time today. This has been phenomenal with such great content and great time talking to you. It's been phenomenal. So we can't thank you enough. Yeah, pleasure's all mine, and uh, you know I'm I'm supporting. Uh, uh, Brian Lawrence has started a new company called Superintendent Network. So I have a hoodie on, but that's his that's his logo. Hey, the Superintendent Network logo there. I like uh, the logo. And, it's uh, very nice. I, I make I, oh, it's a great logo, but I make fun of him because he used to be Ohio Superintendent Network, but uh, I'd, I'd rather a national than a local one. So yeah, I uh, hear you. I mean, I got to I gotta throw out Brian Lawrence with Superintendent Network. So yeah. he's uh, he's got some. T-shirts for sale right now. I see you got a Greens Pro hat on right now. I do. But, uh, I we had Paul on yeah. last week. I was like, you know, I probably should support. You know, and it's a nice hat. You know, <laughs> oh, it's a great hat. Nice hat. You know, we've got. And it's funny. I have. There are some people that send me stuff. Like I have an old Miss hat way back when uh, with uh, Jeff McManus. He's in charge of the landscaping. Uh, sent that, uh, but it's really cool to again see everyone and meet all these people. So that's why it's great to have you on and be able to meet you finally. So. Yeah, pleasure's all mine. Thanks for having me, guys.